You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member of FDIC. Welcome to Sunday Coffee, everybody. A little Curtis Blow to get you going today. Just apropos of nothing. Yeah. So, I here's the thing I was thinking of last night. It is basketball season because we have basketball tomorrow night in the Humphrey Coliseum, Charlie. Yes, we do. You and I are broadcasting that game. Who are we playing? Uh-huh. I think, is it Alcorn State? I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. I do think it is Alcorn State. Yeah, basketball season's here, man. Wednesday. You've got Chris Jans and the men's basketball team traveling to Chicago to take on Arizona State. And here's one. Charlie, I was so down last night. And just, you know, I just felt like I'd gotten kicked in the teeth. You know, we had to get on the postgame show and actually relive it. That's That kind of reminded me. Uh, we were out in Logan, Utah one time playing a basketball game. And Rick Ray was a coach. And Rick uh, was a funny guy. Because we get on the bus after the game's over with, and they they have the Utah State post game show rolling through there. And Rick looked at the bus driver and says, "Sir, can you please turn that? I had to live this crap once. I don't want to live it again." <laughs> That's kind of how I felt like last night in the post game show. I had to watch it once. I really didn't want to relive it. <laughs> and to make it worse, you know, we have a little gap before we get to come on, where they give some scores and things like that. And I think they spent about an hour and a half giving scores of. I mean, Dan Tuckett. I mean, it was <laughs> it was unbelievable. It took a while to get to us, and uh, and I was just hoping and praying and wishing. I think that was a song from the '60s that uh, our mics were not hot <laughs> because Wyatt was coming in hot last night, and he was he was uh, it was it was a frustrating night. And I will say this, and we talked about this uh, last night on the post game show, and I think it was our built for a tough play of the game, and that was the 98 team and their entrance before the game started with Coach Cheryl with that long stick walking down the, the tunnel and coming out on the field. It was good to see a lot of those old guys. How would you like the song choice? I thought it was perfect. Cashmere, I thought it was perfect. A little Led Zeppelin. I thought Spencer McAnally did a really good job of that. I did too. I thought, you know, had I been sitting there, Cashmere is not the song I would have thought of. You're familiar with the song, I think. Yeah. And so all of a sudden the door rolls up and there's... And it's got the interlocking MSU on it. Yeah, and there's Coach Cheryl with that uh, that cane, that stick that's about eight feet long. Look, man, I've done the Appalachian Trail, portions of the Appalachian Trail, many, many days. And I've seen sticks like that only <laughs> rivaled only there. You know, Coach uh, Coach Cheryl's birthday is, I think, November the 28th because it was always right there at around Thanksgiving when we would play Ole Miss. And this year he turns 80. So we're less than a month away and he turns 80. Because Jen asked me this morning, I was talking about Coach Cheryl, and, you know, he finally, you know, 
he finally let it go. You know, he he would. I don't want to say put. Yeah, he put some product in the hair just to keep it a little dark. But then all of a sudden, about five years ago, he was like, "To heck with it!" Like a lot of guys do, and he just went full fledged gray. And uh, so he does look a little older. But I tell you what, he came by the office on Friday and sit there and talked. Man, that guy is still as sharp as ever, and he still follows the dogs and he watches every play. And it was good to see him last night. It was good to see all those guys back. And, hey, we talked about this. And one of the things that I think is a defining characteristic of that 98 team and really that era, the the late 90s, is every time they took the field from 97, 98, 99, you thought you had a chance to win. But what you knew is that you were going to play hard. And you knew you were going to be tougher. And you know you were going to out-physical somebody. Now, I thought, in fairness, and I didn't say this last night. I wanted to put this on Twitter. But it was like we were paying our respects to the 98 team by racking up the personal fouls. Because that's <laughs> one thing the 98 team did do. They, they'd get a personal foul or two on you. Yeah, we would have uh, you know we would have 90 yards and penalties where you're kind of scratching your head. And you're like, man, we could have won that game by 30. But, but, uh, but. We, uh, we played through the whistle. And usually through the sideline. And so we got a lot of penalties back then. But it was a team that was tough. It was not a team that was perfect. It was a team, look, offensively challenged, uh, certainly at times. But, all right, let's 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 just dig in here. Um, basketball starts Wednesday. and No. Um, all right, let's talk about this game yesterday. And I guess you can always look at things, you know, as a game, you could look at it in the bigger context. To me, here's the issue, Bart. We've gone three straight games. Granted, we haven't had Will Rogers, a person a lot of people want to get rid of. Okay. And we haven't scored, but what, 17 points? Uh, yeah, we scored, uh, well, we scored 13 against all 23. 23, okay. Yeah, we scored seven, uh, you know, 16. 13. They scored 13 against Auburn. We scored seven against Arkansas. And last night, mm-hmm. we pumped in the three. After a 20-play, 12-minute drive, and we got three points. Yeah. Um, that was a weird anomaly last night. We have a 20-play drive, a 15-play drive. We have three points to show for it, and we had six three-and-outs. So we were either going three-and-out or putting together a long drive. All right, so I'm going into this thought process right now talking. Like, before we started the podcast, We've done like 10 minutes, and you looked at me and says, okay, we need to start over because you're being too negative. That's the mindset I'm in right now. So I'm trying to be positive. All right, so you, this is the show where I may be having to kind of wave at you and say, yeah, no, knock no, it back. Yeah, we're not, not trying to, you know, not trying to, you know, to try to dig too deep here. If you were to look back at the last three games, of course, you won against Arkansas. So, we, you know, we don't care if we win 3-2. to two, And you said that on Friday. I don't care if we win this game 3-2 to two over Kentucky. And you would have been right. We hit. Hey, we did our part. We hit the three. We hit the three. We didn't hold to the two. I thought last night. Did you think last night was more demoralizing than the Auburn game? Yay or nay? Yes, I did too. And here's the reason why. I thought at Auburn, even though you you had a chance in the second quarter, late in the second quarter, and then you don't convert the first down. They go down and score. And you could look back and say that was a point in the game that you could have been in the game and come back. Last night, Kentucky scoring on that first drive, going deep, had a guy wide open. 
and then you come back and, and you have to settle for the field goal and you get down seven to three, but then the pick six. That ended it. It was over. Yeah, we could have turned the lights off going. I never felt at fourteen to three and I, I don't mean this in any negative way, but I thought at fourteen to three it was over. And, oh yeah, 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 and and I was I was thinking that I was I was always watching it. Then when they go up twenty one to three at the half, you know it's it's okay. Let's go out here and see. I look at homecoming different now than I used to. Now you, you used to figure out who you knew, and now you try to figure out whose whose dads do you know? You know, and so <laughs> I saw some of the dads out there last night that I knew, um, and so it was more worried about uh, watching the halftime. But man, I just never thought when the second half kicked off. You know they they outscored us three to nothing in the second half. I just felt like we're not scoring, and they go into just you know like the snakes with the with the cold weather. They go into hibernation offensively in the second half, and four hundred and eighty nine combined yards between Kentucky and us. Well, we said on the pregame that it would not be an aesthetically pleasing game, and that we nailed. Well, then to me, that's the thing that was so you know so disheartening because against Arkansas, we kind of shut it down, and you had the excuse of shutting it down because hey, you had a big lead. Let's play conservative. They're not scoring either. We don't have to be. Let's not get ourselves beat offensively. And then last week, at times you ran the ball okay between the tackles. At times, last night, man, um, <laughs> it was it was not. Uh, it was not good. And I, I'll say this too, Charlie, and you and I have talked about this off the air, and we said it last night when it was happening. Um, when I get in the car with my kids after they play sports, whether it be my daughter who's playing basketball or my son is playing baseball, when I go to their games, I sit in the stands and I shut my mouth. I'm a different I've, – I've seen parents ruin the experience for kids. I've seen that. And I really try to go above and beyond the other way and I've told my kids this, listen, if you make a mistake on the field, if you make a mistake on the court, I am not going to chastise you. I'm not going to make it where you dread getting in the car to go home after the game. But there are two things. One is if you keep on making a mistake over and over and over, I'm going to ask, I'm going to say, hey, why are we doing this and what can we do to rectify it? But where dad goes full, not a warrior redneck, and gets mad and gets aggravated is – and I said this, and I'll say this, and I don't see, I don't, I have not seen this out of my kids. Is the time I'll get mad is when I, I don't feel like you're playing with a hundred percent effort like you should be giving. And to me, that is when when I get frustrated with athletics. Last night we put in Chris Parson to give us a little bit of a lift, and 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 Chris came in there. You could tell he's a freshman, but he's a dynamic freshman. I mean, he looked really, really good. Still didn't score any points. But um, we had two straight plays in there where we had some guys, and I'm not call their names. I'm not. We're not doing that. That were not running their wide receiver routes at um, 65%, and that to me, um, to me, that was frustrating. It is. It, it to me that was the thing. So last night, you know, we did our post game show. I went home and. I sat there and just kind of stared at the ceiling a while. You know, everybody has their chair, right? <laughs> so the lights are off. Colorado was on, and the circus that is Colorado football was losing. 
Hey, did Dion, how did how did Dion's new offensive coordinator do last night? No, he cost him a touchdown right before the half. Did so, he? Yeah, decided to throw the ball instead of run it. Left time for the other team. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, I'm just sitting there, kind of staring at the ceiling, trying to process it all. And normally, like after a lot of games, I'll go to the internet and I'll go to Twitter or the message boards and that kind of thing, just see what people are saying. But it, I last night I didn't because I couldn't. Meaning I was already so down that I didn't need more kicking me, you know, if that makes sense. <laughs> You'd already lived it, man. Didn't, like Rick Ray, you didn't want to relive it. That's right. <laughs> and so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't an issue of not valuing people's opinions. It's just that there's only so much you can say. And so then I went to bed, and I didn't sleep good last night. It was one of those nights where you just toss and turn all night long because I look out there, and I know that a Buki Watson is playing hard. I know that a Jet Johnson is giving you everything he possibly has. I know that there's other guys like that. I'm not. It's not just them. But you can tell that that's not the case everywhere. And I thought yesterday that we were playing hard, we were playing with an edge, until that pick six. And then I thought the air was out of the balloon, party's over, pack it up, go home. And unfortunately, some of us, I felt, played that way. Um and so that's uh, – and, and candidly, on the offensive side, I mean, I didn't feel like the defense ever got to a point that they just mailed it in. They missed some plays. I didn't feel like they mailed it in. So all that to be said, it's uh, – and look, special teams isn't going to – I'm not even pulling up the the grades this morning, but I'm telling you when they come out, they won't be good either. So – The theory was, you know, he kicked the only field goal he tried. Okay, well – but there is that. But in in today's world of college sports, punting seven times. I mean, hey, we're, I'm not piling on. I mean, we're, everybody knows. Everybody we were punting for 36 yard average last night and had a long of what 54. Yeah, had a long of 55, which skews the average high. Yeah. And so all that to be said, you know, you then start to ask, where do you go from here? And look, I'm not getting into who's doing what or what actions are being taken administratively. I don't know, don't want to know, and that will be, you know, for others to to talk about. But here's my thing. We still have football games that have to be played, and I want to go try to win them. You heard me say this not too long ago. My deal is this. If all you can be is a five-win football team, I want to get the fifth. I'd rather win five than four. I'd rather win six than five, and if we still got them out there, I want to go figure out a way, somehow, some way to win. I don't know that what I'm about to say helps you win, but it may help your program. I think you got to play Chris Parson. you got to start him, and you got to live with it. And it may be bad. It may be ugly. And you may have to pull him out for a series a little bit and say, all right, hey, man, let's calm down. You're doing okay. But I think at this point you're not blowing his red shirt because everybody can play four games. One, I think it helps the development, and quite honestly, I think it probably gives you the better chance to win. You say, why is that? Why a guy that you've seen play only a little bit, whose numbers, to be fair, his numbers weren't great, and he had some drops out there, and he had some times that I didn't think people were trying to help him. And he had some. He had a couple bad throws. I mean, he had two Lou open on a touchdown. Well, and they were bringing like zero pressure against yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, so he got to dance around and run around in ways that you won't be able to. But he did try to get rid of the football, which was something we hadn't seen. So all that to say this, I think he probably gives you a little bit of a lift. 
I think it's a good experience long-term if he has to walk into Kyle Field and be a starter and kind of adjust to that, get used to it. And because, I mean, I think we've seen what we've yeah. seen our options. Well, and you, you think back to 2000, was it 20, when Will Rogers really got his first taste of it was at Alabama when K.J. Costello went down and all of a sudden we start Will the next week. I think we play Vanderbilt that next week. And, you know, Chris Parson, and you don't want to draw any parallels, but, I mean, a freshman is still a freshman trying to get out there. And A&M, if they are good at anything, is getting tackles for loss and bringing pressure. They lead the, the league in sacks and lead the, the league in tackles for loss. And so you're going to – they're not going to sit back like Kentucky did. And what was bad was Kentucky was getting pressure – by not bringing anybody. Yeah. Uh, that's the thing that does worry you. Hey, we are in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startwell. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. They have agents all across the state of Mississippi, home life auto, but their customer service is fantastic. Farm Bureau. And this is a Sunday coffee brought to you by our good friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. I went by Strange Brew this morning, and they had a big old line out there. But strangebrewcoffeehouse.com is getting – Close to the holiday season, if you're a pumpkin spice type people, I'm not, but some people are. Um, they've got the pumpkin spice flavored coffee, but the blueberry flavored coffee, that's what I drink every day. And so they'll ship it to you. The mugs, they have the Yetis, they have all that good stuff. And so strangebrewcoffeehouse.com, churn and spoon ice cream, Spring Street and Highway 12 here in Startville, Tupelo and Brupolo, and then also in Tuscaloosa as well. Charlie, you brought up uh, you brought up basketball, and well, before I go into basketball, and <laughs> because you know it's it's almost like you know I've, I've turned to my dad and trying to figure out the the half glass you know the old and cantankerous because last night after I was just reading st- stats and stories about Arizona State and basketball, and I'm sitting there going, okay, Bart, you got to temper your expectations of basketball too. Because, like, they got, like, seven of their 12 players or eight of their 12 players that are over 6'8". And if you get Jimmy Bell in trouble, foul trouble on Wednesday night, then, man, they're going to trot guys after guys. And Bobby Hurley's the head coach. Of course, Bobby Hurley was a great player at Duke back in the day. I told somebody one time, I think some people will take what I'm about to say the wrong way. This was said tongue-in-cheek, but it applies here. I said uh, the next person who works for Mississippi State who going into a season raises expectations should be fired <laughs> summarily without warning, without an opportunity to clean out their desk. Because we have raised expectations on this basketball team. You know, what's all the talk you hear, like 96 and you know, those kind of things. I think this is going to be a good basketball team. But, man, we took we took a shot. We took a shot. You lose an All-American basketball player. Uh, we're not the Lakers, right? I mean, when you lose your best player, when you lose your anchor, it's going to hurt, and we're going to have to play through it. And going back to what I said about this football game not being aesthetically pleasing, I think people are going to have to be prepared. We saw this down in Hattiesburg. Yeah. Better get prepared for some 60 to 57. And (laughs) I'm just telling you, I'm just going ahead and tell you now, we could win this game on Wednesday. We could lose it on Wednesday. Either way, there will be plenty of people saying, man, this team isn't as good as I thought we were. And the point of that, though, isn't to say this team isn't going to be good. I just think this team's going to be a little bit ugly 
particularly why Tolu is out. Am I wrong? No, I, I agree with that. And I like I just talked about, you get Jimmy Bell in foul trouble, and then Jaquan Scott. You know, he's not a center. He's six eight, but he plays hard. I mean, he he's a good rebounder. Cam Matthews isn't a center. It's Cam yeah, Matthews is not end. a center. Yeah, and so I mean, you're going to be at a at somewhat of a size adva- disadvantage in the game on Wednesday. And that's going to be, hey, this is a Arizona State team that is picked in the top half of the Pac-12 this year. They returned some, they returned some dudes off an NCAA tournament team last year. They played a, a closed scrimmage. You know, we played the exhibition and against uh, against Southern Miss, and Southern Miss is going to be pretty good. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I mean, they played a closed scrimmage against San Diego State and won. San Diego State's going to be good this year. I yeah. mean, so it's not like this is going to be their first taste of seeing what good basketball is like. And now, go, look, let me be clear. I think we're going to be good. I do. Yeah, I think it's just going to be – I think un, there are different styles in basketball, right? We are we are more of the old Pistons than the old Lakers, right? We're more of the team that's just going to rough it up with you, ugly up the game. You're going to shoot 27%. Hopefully, we shoot 29 right? I mean, it's it's going to be kind of ugly. But that, we lived through that last year. I think this team is very well coached. I think it has some talent. I think Josh Hubbard is going to be a star. And I think when we get Keyshawn Murphy back, that's kind of the underrated loss on this team right now is Murph being down. Now, all reports are that Murph's doing pretty well and that, you know, maybe a little sooner than they had hoped. But if you've got – you see, Murph's such a different player in the post, right? Yeah. Because he's a big, tall guy, but he's got a little bit of Ralph Sampson syndrome, and you'd have to be old to know what that is. But Ralph Sampson was the center at Virginia. He was seven foot four, and he wanted to be a guard. <laughs> and not just like he actually said, I, I want to be a guard. <laughs> no, Ralph, man. He and Elijah Wan became the twin towers for the Rockets. Now, Keyshawn does want to be a guard, but not to the point of, say, Renardo Sidney. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, he, he, he didn't want to dribble between his legs and do fall-away threes That's at right. 6'10". Um, boy, I, tell you, I didn't think when I walked in here today I'd be referencing Renardo Sidney. <laughs> um, hey, uh, before we – you know, and bas- like I said, basketball, I, I feel good about it. What do you think about the women's team this year? I don't really know. I, I don't know. We got everybody else. back, you know, and we got a ton of people back. And I, th- I think we're going to be old. Uh, last year we won some games. You know, we beat Tennessee here at home. That we were like, and that what? team's got a lot of support. Wow, they got a lot of support. But we lost some games last year. You're like, man, should have won that game. And so you, you you hope there's a little bit more consistency with that team this year. I think there will be, but just because they're a year older. Well, sometimes in sports there's an addition by subtraction issue. You just you get a lot of personalities together. You can adjust depending on how things shake out. And so it'll be interesting to watch that team. Like I said, they've had support. Hey, I want to. I don't want to get you off track here, Bart, but I do want to hit on football one more moment about going forward. See, I was going to actually come back to football by talking about a certain other group of people. All right, let me guess here. We're going to go Cannon Ford, and you're going to talk about that we got to get a little tougher, play with consistency. we got to give all-out effort, and that at Cannon Ford in the body shop, in the service department. 
No, I was not going there, but you just did a great live read. Okay. I was actually going to talk about the 2013 baseball team, but that team had a lot of toughness as well, like the Ford F-150. And you can get the those. official truck. You can get those <laughs> those Ford F-150s, the official truck of the Bulldogs, at uh, Cannon Ford here in Startwell. And as Charlie said, you can go to the body shop, the service center, get the tires rotated. They're open on Saturdays now from 8 to 12 in the morning. And so if you work all week and you don't have time to get down there to get your oil changed, they can do it on Saturday mornings. And that's our good friends at Cannon Ford of Startwell. Nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. So go to their website as well. But uh, Cannon Ford of Startwell, newer used cars are getting more and more in on the lot. It's filling up out there. And they're selling a bunch of cars right now, too. I was going to talk about the 2013 team that had some toughness. The baseball team. The baseball team. And here are the guys that came back this week. There were some that couldn't make it back. I mean, they're living all over the country. Adam Frazier was here. Alex Detz was here. Remember Alex, the oh, third Alex baseman? Alex Stetz was a really good ball player. Out in California. He lives about, about halfway between. Wasn't he from like San Luis Obispo? Yep. No, he lives in that area too. It's about halfway between San Francisco and, and L.A. Uh, by the way, I talked to Alex a good bit the other night on Friday, and we had a uh, had a reception when all these players came back on Friday, and Alex was like, man, oh, hey, on Fridays, you know, it's it's 4.30 California time. When you guys are starting a Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, he said, so I make sure I get all my work done because that's baseball time. He watches every game. Hey, and so, you know, quick, and I'll let you get back to your list, but quick note, um, we're seeing more and more recruiting in the state of California, more and more California players looking to come to the SEC. You know, we haven't had a ton of guys from out there. We've certainly had some. But you're going to see a lot more. And I was kind of digging in, talking to some coaches, saying, hey, what's the what's the reasoning here? It's the conference realignment. Yes. And they're basically saying, look, if we're going to go to if the south, if we got to go to the east, we don't want to have to travel all the way back out here. Let's go somewhere where we can just be there and play there. So I think you're going to see California players, I mean, more and more of an impact on the southeastern game. And, you know, we've had some in the past. Gavin Collins, Alex Detz. Alex was a JUCO guy. Uh, Brandon Woodruff was back. Saw Brandon. Of course, he had the arm surgery uh, a couple weeks ago, and he had his arm in the sling. And and uh, good to see Woody. Demarcus Henderson was back. Demarcus from Waynesboro, of course, was the left fielder on the 2013 team. Chad Gerardo was back. And, you know, Gerardo, that sidewinder, left-hander. Um, good to see him. Daryl Norris. Evan Mitchell, Hunter Renfro, Jacob Lindgren, Jonathan Holder, Kendall Graveman, Nick Amirati, Ross Mitchell, Sam Frost was back, uh, Trey Porter, uh, Wes Stokes, Wilcox, Zach Randolph, and the um, you know what what teams like that that team we might were talking about last night about how close that '98 football team was, but this 2013 baseball team is real close as well. And I think you have to give credit to people for holding groups together. I think Coach Sherrill's done a good job with that 98 team, and Matt's done a good job with that 98 team, and you know Wayne Mackin of keeping those teams close. Wes Ray has done a really good job of kind of keeping everybody together. He's a fun guy to talk to. He is, and, and Wes was here. And There's another guy that Mike could have suited up for us. Yesterday, yeah, that left tackle. Yeah, West Ray could play some football. He could, he could. Um, Jordan Parker, okay, 
and so I saw the list, and I was like, who in the world is Jordan Parker? Who's Jordan Parker? And I was trying to think, okay, I know I know that name. Who is that? But it was Lucky. I mean, he didn't go by Jordan. He went by Lucky. And the reason he went by Lucky is because when he was a freshman, he was a manager. And Butch walks up to him one day, and he's like, "So what are you? What are you doing? What do you do?" And he was just—he was a scared eighteen-year-old kid. Man, I—I I, I don't know what—what what do you need done? He's like, "Man, you're lucky to be here. From now on, your name is Lucky." <laughs> and so he walks in the other night, and everybody's, "Hey, Lucky, what's up, Lucky?" And I was like, "How many times have you been called Lucky in the last ten years?" He said, "Tonight. This is the first time, like since I left, <laughs> that I've been called Lucky." But uh, those guys, man, I thought of Demarcus Henderson. And down in Baton Rouge in 2012, on a pop fly down the right field line when they had the bullpens in play, this guy made a full-out head-first dive for a pop-up and went head-first into the back of the bullpen pitcher's mound in Baton Rouge, right? Got up, dusted himself off, ran right back out there. And that was the mentality of that team. They didn't care, they didn't care what they, where they were on the field, it was every sense of being of theirs when they walked between the lines that they were about to beat you in any way possible. You know, I really enjoy having former teams back, particularly once you've had a little time and separation. You start to have a little more appreciation even than you had the moment. But I think with that team, even at the time, we knew we had something special, Yeah, particularly down the stretch. Uh, but it's really cool to see the guys come back. It's really cool to still embrace them. I am one of these people, candidly, uh, and this would get me in trouble with a lot of marketing departments. I wish we would take the whole Mississippi State family thing and cut the shirts up, throw them away, because I don't tend to believe. I, I tend to believe that most fans see it as a slogan and not as something they really believe in. That team, though, would fit. That team it could would. have that. That 98 team, there was a family atmosphere there. It was just different. And – we talked to Matt White about this yesterday. I don't know how you create it. I don't know how you make it happen. But every time, just like you growing up, right, you've had a chance to be around teams at championship level, at the high school level, junior college level, college level, you name it. And all of the teams, there have been a lot of really talented teams, but all the championship teams have that. That's different. That's something else. And those teams – Kind of had that. So I thought it was really cool to see them back. And what was funny, too, is we got up there. And baseball is a weird sport, man. It seems like everybody knows everybody. You'd, you know, if somebody's coaching somewhere else or playing somewhere else, you're still friends. And uh, Nick was unable to come back. Nick Mangione was able to, unable to come back. He's a coach at Kentucky now. But it was funny to see, you know, Kendall and Wes Ray and Hunter and some of these guys that were FaceTiming Butch and, in Lane Burroughs. Of course, Lane was, wasn't even here in 2012. He had already gone to Northwestern State in 2013. So he missed the College World Series, but he was a main reason a lot of those guys came here. And we had Butch and Lane on. And, hey, if you've never listened to our podcast, go back and thumb through and listen to the show. It's been three years ago. We did a, a podcast with Lane and Butch at the same time, and it was fantastic. And, of course, Butch is head coach at Auburn now. But, you know, they're FaceTime, and, and Butch is one of these guys. He's like Dick Vermeil used to be in the NFL, the whole coach of the Eagles. You know, Butch would cry in a heartbeat. And so what was funny is they were they were FaceTiming Butch. Hey, man, I wish you were here and Lane, too, and all these guys. And what was funny is Lane and Butch were actually on their buses, Lane from La Tech, Butch from Auburn, and they were meeting themselves 
in Biloxi yesterday, and Auburn played La Tech in baseball. And so it was kind of funny just to see that whole whole deal. But man, that was a – those guys, you know, they had, whether they played in it, Major League Baseball or not, man, they have had a lot of success. And like you said, you can just tell a difference in that team. And I think that was the thing that kind of, you know, going back kind of – you're determined not to talk about football, aren't you? No, that's that's the thing that bothered me the most last night. Is is you know, we had some guys playing their man playing their tail off. Well, we had some guys that uh, that were not at full capacity in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, on the way to the game yesterday, stopped by Maroon and Company, got a quarter zip. And you know what you did yesterday. And I called you out on this, by the way. I know. I didn't. I, you I, you I, go to Twitter and you tell people, hey, it's a great day to go to Maroon and Company, and you forgot the most important part. Yeah, I'm sorry. NIL10, you have to use the code. And when you do, it helps us. Yep, 10% off at the store or online at maroonandco.com. But the Bulldog Initiative going to get 5% donation based upon your sale. And, uh, man, I went in there yesterday, and I've been into Marina Company several times. And it's amazing just all the stuff they got, even non-Mississippi State stuff. And so if you're looking to, to get some Bulldog apparel or just looking to get something cool to wear to a game or just around Starkville, it's in the Cotton Mill Marketplace right beside Chick-fil-A. Go to maroonandco.com. And as we said, go to, type in NIL10 in the promo code or tell them NIL10 at the, at the counter. And you'll get 10% off your purchase. Also had some country pleasing sausage. Talked to Henry Cooper as well. Country pleasing. It's made right here in the state of Mississippi. You can get it at all local grocery stores. I went by Walmart, the small mart out here, just east of town, just the other day. And they've got a whole big case of it. It's just dedicated to country pleasing. So country pleasing sausage. Go to countrypleasing.com and see all the different varieties they're making now. It is uh a great product made right here in the state of Mississippi. Anything else for the good of the call, Charlie? Yes, I think so. A couple of things. First, let's talk about what we're going to be doing going forward. We have a basketball game Wednesday. Are we going to get in here before Wednesday, look forward to that basketball game, or are we going to get in here and then break it down afterwards, or are we going to do both? Um, I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking. I like to get in here afterwards. I think we've kind of broken down this team a little bit going in. Am I wrong? All right. So early Thursday, we'll – Let's post-game it. All right. So we'll post-game the game on Wednesday. And I don't know what to expect, like I told you. A few other random notes. Obviously, we had the MSU interlocking logo in play yesterday. I like that. I like it, and I like it as being permanent. Uh, well, um, and that was actually something I was actually thinking about coming up here this morning and just thinking about the history and about how – because there are so many people that, that one, don't know or young enough to not remember, and sometimes people forget. The Banner M-State was created back in the mid-1990s. And I remember we put it on the basketball floor. That was the first place we ever put it. And I think it was like a Maroon Madness was the first time, or Midnight Madness was the first time I ever saw it out on the floor. It was like a, was it a basketball manager, a former manager that came up with a design? That's right. And they put it on the floor for basketball. Football was using the interlocking MSU on the helmets. And, of course, baseball had the M over S. 
And listen, what I'm about to say is probably going to make product marketing people cringe because when you start thinking about logos and product marketing, you know, it's – it is a detailed business, and it is a holistic business. You have to look at things. Don't use words like holistic. Well, yeah, there's a 10,000-feet viewpoint. Okay? You've been in too many seminars. It has. Systemic. Ugh. Systemic pressure. Um, but we were using three different logos at the time. You had the M-State, you had the interlocking MSU, and then you had the baseball M over S. And so back about 15 years ago, 2008 – this would have been Dr. Lee, uh, Dr. Fo- yeah, really Dr. Lee. Maybe Malcolm Patero, running around that time frame. They made a really big push. This would be t- well. This has been 2003. Is they wanted to take the interlocking MSU off the helmet and go to a more uniform M State banner. Now, Coach Polk was back in baseball, and Coach Polk was going to fight him, and he did fight him, and says, "Hey, we're not putting the M State. We're not putting the M State on the baseball helmet." And we're not putting it on a on a shirt or whatever. And that was a battle to keep the M over S. And see, and that's what frustrates me. Yeah. What it, frustrates me is that when people because they read it in a textbook, because they heard it at a seminar, decide that you have to do something a certain way. Yeah. And so I mean it's like they want to tell you what you like. And well, not the other way around. And so here's my thing. The M over S is our baseball logo. It has been our baseball logo. It should be in perpetuity. All right. So the fact that that was even discussed reflects. Oh, hey, let me tell you this. And it was it was close in 2008, five years later, after Coach Polk, you know, retired. And about coming in, I mean, it was going to be close to getting it done then. And John Cohen, you know, John <laughs> John wasn't perfect in a lot of ways. But you know what? John fought it like Coach Polk did. John was like, hey, this is our baseball logo. And so for so many people, they were wanting to clean it up and have one look, and which is understandably so in the marketing world. And that's how the M-State became the football logo is because they wanted to streamline that process back 20 years ago in 2003. And, um, you know, I got no problem and I like the interlocking MSU. I was talking to a guy last night, and I was like, hey, these are my favorite uniforms. I think I'm like you, Charlie. I I would like to see it on the helmet going forward. That, that To me, that's that's what I think of when I think of Mississippi State. When I watch Arkansas play football, they wore the same hog logo now as they did 20 years ago. But so that goes back to the discussion we've had already, which is what may have been good for marketing 20 years ago isn't necessarily the marketing of today. How many different logos have we put on helmets in the last three years? How many times have we called them special or different? Well, if we have to be consistent, then why does it have to change all the time? My point is today's consumer, today's generation is different than those that were making the decisions then. But Well, and you had people trying to make those decisions 20 years ago who had just come here, who, like you said, may have read read it in a seminar and did not have any prior Mississippi State ties and trying to tell you this is how you need to rebrand your university. Well, And so that's that was the thing there. So I go back to this, and I, I like it. I, I associate those marks with Mississippi State. And, um, you know, going forward, I don't know if this is a one-off deal or what, but 
I thought it was pretty cool. But I was actually talking to a guy last night, and he says, hey, I actually like the uniforms that Rocky had. I was like, well, the logo was – I like the logo, but it was kind of that old MSJ, you know. Well, I didn't like all the stripes they had on the sleeves and things like that. Well, they I, had I a little like bit of silvery pants. I'm more of a gray guy. Well, see, I like that. I like the silvery pants. No, you don't. I you did. Just, yeah. It's like satin, man. They had a little shine to it, a little sheen. I'm not looking for shine. I'm looking for toughness. I'm, lo- <laughs> okay. I'm looking to win a football game. All right, so Mississippi State goes on the road to Texas A&M. Texas A&M is a flawed, flawed program. I do want to observe this, though, because a lot of the discussion, again, I'm not – I'm I'm Switzerland here, okay, as far as making changes. But one of the things I think that has crept up in some of my discussions here in the past two days with people is this idea of you have to throw eight or nine million dollars at whoever your next coach is, whenever that is. Dabo. Well, I saw somebody was trying to talk me into Dabo Swinney coming here yesterday, and well, I I looked at him with a glazed eye. I, I, I felt like I'd been walking through the junction. Right, during a ball game. Well, okay, yeah, that's a different podcast, uh, but one that probably also needs to be had sometime soon. Well, here's an example, though. You want Texas A and M by the numbers went all in. Texas A and M by the numbers showed they were committed to football. They went and got a coach who won a national championship, albeit with a flawed human being as their quarterback, who basically won it for them. Coming up to a bad league, in any event. They went all in, and you know what they are now? They're stuck with it, and they're stuck with it for two reasons. One, because they didn't make an intelligent decision about who they hired. You know, think about this. Everybody talks about, you know, going all in means getting a Jimbo Fisher. Arizona made one heck of a coaching hire in Jed Fish. Yeah. And and if somebody had hired in the SEC Jed Fish three years ago, people would have lost their minds. But climbing, hey, the guy at Kansas State. I mean. He was a D2 guy. Yeah, so there are people – you you got to dig into it. You just can't go because this guy won somewhere else. Um, they got an issue at A&M, and that is what Jimbo Fisher is going to keep doing is just enough. So he's sitting here, what, right now? Five wins? Yeah, the Very five and four. good chance he gets six next weekend. And he'll end up winning seven games. He is giving them less than Kevin Sumlin did. And now, arguably, he started in a little bit of hole because of what Sumlin gave him, but I don't buy that anymore. He's been there long enough. He's got enough money and enough resources. Has a number one ranked recruiting class. And so they're stuck with it. I go back to what we said on Friday. If I am Jimbo Fisher, I do not have a vehicle that I drive. No, no, no. I have an Uber everywhere I go. I am nice to everybody. I don't say anything. I don't type out any kind of email. I'm never in a room with a member of the opposite sex without four witnesses. Yes. I, mean, I am not getting fired with a morality clause. My phone has no texting capabilities. Yeah. No <laughs> camera. Yeah, I am I'm deleting Twitter. If I like to drink, I'm building the bar at the house. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the only it's thing. It's the old Derek Jeter thing. I don't think this was true, but the old saying about going to Derek Jeter's house in St. Petersburg was that there was a basket up front and when you came in your phone had to go in that basket. If you wanted to come in the house, nobody was going to be rolling tape or video on him. <laughs> I ever told you about my time spent with Derek Jeter when he was talking about uh, he lived on the 88th floor of the Trump Tower. They had parachutes in the closet. He's like, "I'm not going down. Somebody, if something hits this place, I ain't going down." 
No, I had not. Uh, you had not heard that story. No. That was that was a, that was one night for the for the lifetime right there. Well, Charlie. Um, another thing we can talk about some other time is about you know there's a there's a lot of blame everywhere to go around in this whole deal, and it's not just one area. It's not just it's not. It's not coaches. It's not players. It's for, not former coach. I mean, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts to how we got here, and um, we just got to figure it out. And well, and then the, the I think right now the biggest question is how are you going to fix it. And I told somebody the other day because I was out on the road and they were we've been all over the state of Mississippi meeting with people, talking with people, and I had somebody say, "Hey, listen, man, I'm having a hard time giving to NIL." given to the Bulldog Initiative right now until football gets fixed. And what I said is, well, that's – Chicken and egg, yeah, man. Yeah, I said, hey, listen, man. I said, hey, I can put it to you this way. If you like Zach Arnett, we need a lot of money. If you don't like Zach Arnett, we need a lot of money. Because that's the thing. So, and again, I'm like I've said, I'm not advocating anything. But everybody is looking at hiring a coach with the concept of what you pay them. But I know for a matter of fact, this isn't a speculation, this is fact, when coaches are being interviewed. The first question. Yes. It's not salary. It's not, hey, is there a great place out by a lake and start where I can build a house? No, it's changed. In fact, one of the things coaches now try to do, and we're seeing this in different spaces around the country, is I want a commitment for what that's going to be. And if I don't have that commitment, then my buyout extends. If I don't have that commitment, then all these different – I get an extra year. I mean, all these things start to kick in. And so it is – it's imperative. And, uh, look, man, our goal, my goal is to win football games. To win football games. To win basketball games, you need players. And, look, we – yeah, we need players. We need and we need look, I'll be honest with you, I think the the situation has changed significantly. I think this team needs twenty. I think you need twenty transfers. And that may be light. It may be twenty five. Because you look at it, what do you gotta do? You gotta bulk up a defensive line. You gotta we talked about this last night. We used to be a lot more physical up front. And are there Montez Sweats out there? Are there Jeff Simmons out there? Well, I don't know. Those guys are kind of generational. But there's some dudes. Yeah. And you need a bunch of them. And that's the thing, too, now. you know. And it's not just there. you you got to go in the portal. you got to look quarterback. you got to look at receiver. you got to look at running back. I mean, there is literally not one position that doesn't have to be evaluated. No. And, um, and that's the thing, too, is, is people have a bigger factor now over the success of their program more than they ever have you know in the college basketball world i'll just tell you like a lot of the a lot of the young players you know coaches will call up and <laughs> be like hey man uh you uh interested in coming here i don't know what do you got and nobody likes to hear that because it doesn't jive well with the whole family thing but it just it's the reality yeah and so you can kind of go with what do you want it to be? What do you like for it to be? Or what does it need to be? Now, the good news, let me say this. Um, over the – without disclosing, uh, we'll uh, conceal the names to protect the guilty, right? But over the past two months, 
we have seen a significant growth in what we're doing with the Bulldog Initiative. Marcus Grant's come on board. Amy Perkins has come on board. Ken McKinnon, who's been working with us, has been great. Had some other people reach out that want to provide some assistance. But we've been going across the state, and here's the thing that I like. There have been people step up and make significant, Oh yeah, I mean, underlying bold, significant contributions to what we're doing who are new to the scene. So it's not just moving money around. That was the thing everybody said about NIL was, well, you're just going to be taking it from one pot and putting it into another. Man, we got some new players, and all this talk of, you know, you get on the message board, cigar boys, cigar boys, all this kind of stuff. Man, I'm just telling you, there's, there's a group of people, of young people who've been successful, who understand the importance of athletics, and God bless them because they have – helped us significantly and we've got a few more coming down the pipeline in the next couple of weeks that are going to be big as well and i mean I'm, I'm just it is going in the right direction from a from oh a no number question it's, no it question. is it is being positive and because hey listen that's the whole thing is like you said charlie no matter who the football coach is in december getting ready for the spring you know for the the, the december signing day no matter who it is the first thing that they're going to – I mean, when you start bringing in transfers, and, hey, you've done a great job of managing this. That's a great thing. You look at other schools who are throwing money away. The way – I'm not saying it's just because you're sitting here, but I am saying it's because you're sitting here. The way that you, know, you have structured everything and the way that, from a conservative standpoint to make sure that the deals are negotiated right. Well, I'll tell you, and, you know, you start to read these lists of, like, top whatever ambitious collectors. I don't know what it means to be ambitious. But I know one of them was so ambitious that I've now um, had attorneys reach out to me. That's not in this area. Um, they ain't paying everybody. They can't live up to what they promised. And so that's the other thing I look forward to is kind of with some passage of time, the people who are being dumb are going to have to pay for it. Hey, quick note on that, by the way. Um, if you saw and you may not have, but just the in the past couple of days, one of the things that has come down is – that the judge in California handling the House and the Oliver case, so it's two cases that were combined. Here's the gist of it. When NIL came in, it wasn't that NIL was a new right that players now have. It was a right they always had that the NCAA should not have interfered with. That's the legal, that's the legal basis of where we are now. So it, basically the courts say, they should have always, you had no right to stop them from doing what they were under antitrust laws. So a group of former athletes, 2016 up until 2021 or 2020, came in and basically said, all right, we want the money we would have gotten had you not prevented us. So there's a lawsuit against the NCAA, against conferences, and the question, it's a procedural issue about whether you can file something as a class action as opposed to every individual having to file their own case. Class actions are big-time litigation. You have to be certified. You can't just file a class action. It has to be approved. Well, last week, the judge approved the class action. And so what that means is, in this litigation against the NCAA, there is a damages model, I think it's one point six, $1.5 billion. And under antitrust laws, there's this thing called treble damages, which means they triple, which means the damages that this class, if it were to proceed to trial and win, 
and by the way, this is in front of the same judge where they've always won. You're looking at a judgment against the NCAA and the conferences for over $4 billion. But ultimately, it's one of those things. The NCAA, the school's going to have to look to settle this case somehow, some way. And I think we've talked about revenue sharing. That's what that's the bargaining chip. And that money's going to have to come from somewhere. Yeah, it's going to come from the school's budgets. And so you can say, hey, we're getting $60 million from ESPN. Well, under the models right now, you're looking at maybe even a quarter of that. Yeah. You know, California's got a proposal of half. But in any event, I don't want to go too far down it. The point of it is to say this. I think, I don't know if we've seen the beginning of the end. We've seen the end of the beginning. And what I mean by that is we now have a class action. I think everything is on the clock. This thing is going, it's going to change. But in this gap, in the next two years, NIL's with us, and it's going to be big. Hi, man. Hey, enjoyed it as always. Well, uh, we could talk for a long time about class action and about the, the differences in college sports. Hey, we talk about politics. No, we're not talking about politics. Um, but everything is going to be a little bit different. Well, it's going to be a lot different going forward. And, uh, hey, there are, like you said, a lot of people who are stepping up. Now, we do have a bunch of – well, we do, do have some people. I don't say a bunch. We do have some people who are really good at spending other people's dollars. Who are really good at saying, hey, you need to go out there and do this. You need to go out there and do that. And, hey, we need to get hit the transfer portal. We need to do all this. And then uh, they're not <laughs> – they have the ability to help, but they're not. But uh, that's uh, – we're going to keep on working on them, Charlie, just like the church, man. We're going to keep on working on people. We're going to sing that last stanza one more time. <laughs> yep. We're going <laughs> to get the third – we're going to repeat the third verse to just as I am. <laughs> one more time. One more time. time. <laughs> I appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Once again, thanks to our good friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Agents all across the state of Mississippi. Strange Brew Coffee House. Strange Brew. Just as I am <laughs> no, man, it's got to be like somebody playing a piano, and you got the uh, the music director up there singing about four octaves lower <laughs> than he talks. And so that's that, that's that's the nice version of Just As I <laughs> It's Sunday morning. Yeah. Go to strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. They'll ship you that great Strange Brew Coffee. Cannon Ford of Startwell. Nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. Country pleasing sausage. We had our Tracks Plus Deep Dig on Friday. We gave a bunch of numbers. Well, we didn't give as many this past week. But uh, Tracks Plus. Go to tracksplus.com for the heavy machinery, new or used heavy machinery. Our good friends at Howard Technology Solutions. Howardcomputers.com. And you can see... All the great things. I went to the groundbreaking. Actually, it was a ribbon cutting on Friday. Down in Quitman, they're building a new transformer plant uh, down there, making some coils and stuff for the transformer plant. But uh, also in the technology world of where they are really growing and getting a lot of traction in the uh, in the computer world, the HowardComputers.com, and see how they can help you with your cybersecurity, your physical security, and audio-visual equipment. So HowardComputers.com. Canon Ford of Startwell. Nobody beats a Canon deal. Nobody. And our good friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com and uh, for all your lending needs. So for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Call.